It reminds me of the worst day I've ever experienced working at the gas dock. And I pumped gas in boats, but I also did pump outs of their shitter. Ew. And oh, that's a fun job. It's, it was great. Professor Poopy Pants. The guy, like the side of the guy's boat was really thin. It was like one of those go fast boats. And he his railing, the rub rail and everything, like went right over top of the the uh, the hole where I had to do the pump out from. Mm-hmm. And he was one of those like rich dickheads who was like, don't step on my boat. I don't want you standing on the boat. Just stand on the edge. Get I'm like, your all right. Off my boat. Well, where the bar was, I couldn't, I couldn't put the screw on adapter. So it's like a screw on adapter. Then you put the the whole mechanism that sucks out the poo and pee, and you clamp it down. We'll just call it the fun stuff. The fun stuff. Yeah, there you go. That's better. Yeah. Uh, and then you you turn on this suction, and it sucks it all out to a tank below the ground. I had to use the one that's just like a rubber rubber end because I couldn't screw it in because of the hose, and I had to hold it down. And I lose my balance. And as I lose my balance, a little hole opens up and it just shot in the air. Every, like covered me. I was covered in human <laughs> waste. It was the worst day ever. Oh, that's disgusting. I, I, I turned it off. I turned it off. And the guy was like, <laughs> I'll never forget. He looked up. He goes, was that shit? <laughs> I went, oh, I'm like, and I got off his boat and he was like so mad, but I did not care. I'm like, good. I hope you're covered in human excrement too, because you're such a dick. I went in the shower. I showered with all my clothes on in the bathroom. Like there's a shower right there. Yeah. Like a pool, like house. a rinsing area. Showered with all my clothes on. I walk out and my boss was like cleaning up the boat. He goes, just go home. Just go home. And he could tell I was fuming. I was That's so a good mad. boss. And I got in my car. I sat in my car. I'm like, white knuckling the steering wheel I was so mad and then i drove home you must be like drenched in the car oh soaking wet because yeah. i stood under the shower and like literally like shampooed my entire I was clothes say, did you have like soap on hand shampooed here? everything like my clothes everything got in my car drove home walking up the driveway i was like what's wrong i'm like just gave her a hand I'm like not now <laughs> like i was so upset not today she Mom. didn't say a word after that she knew like an hour and a half later i come downstairs i had showered i like throw all my clothes away and then i come downstairs she's like you're all right and i told her the story she was like oh my god you might want to go shower again <laughs> it was the so worst day worst day of work i've ever had in my entire life and i don't think there will ever be a worse day than that. i'm gonna it have was, nightmares tonight after that story oh uh, that was the worst day ever <laughs> <laughs> i remember i was i was so mad i could have oh i should have covered in poo fought the guy covered in poo <laughs> You oh, are you and me, man? We're doing this. <laughs> you want a hug? Yeah, I remember. He's like, is there shit all over my boat? I'm like, oh, there's shit all over me. <laughs> I just got off the boat and walked away. Uh, there was also the day where I closed all the doors, locked, locked the door, turned around, and there was a guy coming out of the marina, like, waving me down. He's like, hey, buddy, buddy, please, I need some gas. I was like, all right, I'll be a good guy. I'll open the, the doors back up. I'll turn the pumps back on. And give this guy gas. Hopefully, he'll tip me ten bucks. Yeah. He's like, oh, t-. he's like, thank you, man. I appreciate you so much. Like, thank you for doing this. I'm like, yeah, no problem. And I put the gas, lean over the edge of the dock to put the nozzle, the gas nozzle in, and I hear ching. I'm like, I look up, and he, he's like three feet away from my face. He looks at me. He goes, "Were those your car keys?" I'm like, "Yeah, I think so." <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back to old time hockey. Tonight they can throw punches, and they're doing exactly that. Holy jumping! Folks, this is one of the best hockey fights we have seen in a long time. They are on their feet here at Joe Lawrence Arena. A 
It's a Donnybrook episode five. Oh man, we got a note on our last uh, episode there, Joe. What's that? Kylington, Oliver Kylington, it's Shillington. Who would have known that? I know it. Despite watching every Calgary Flames game in the in the postseason and hearing his name multiple times, I told Jack earlier. I was like, I must have just thought it was somebody else. <laughs> wow, got a lot of Tims. <laughs> How do you get the the sh out of a KY? No, you know what I was thinking? I was thinking, man, that Kylington must not do much out there. He'd never say his name. <laughs> Calgary Flames defen defenseman Oliver Shillington. Sorry. We're close. Sorry. We had the, the, the tin right. Listen, not the first name we've screwed up, and it definitely won't be the last. No, I will butcher every name. Every name. Just wait till we start getting into the thick of the season. <laughs> and all those Russians start playing <laughs> that no one's heard of yet. I'll start with it with the right letter, and then and then I wing it. <laughs> just as long as everyone knows generally what team and what player he's talking about, just ignore the name. <laughs> uh, so one one mistake, brutally so far. That was bad because I think we talked about him for a couple minutes. I don't know. Barnes was pretty bad. Barnes and Noble. Barnes. Yeah, Barnes and Noble. Oh Brent yeah, Barnes. I, that's what I said. I will butcher Brent names. Barnes. Yeah, it's good. <laughs> All. All season long. We'll be sure to point them out, though. Even if it's the next episode, we'll go back and make I sure think that's the we problem. screwed up. Usually one of us catches it, which is usually Adam catching me saying it wrong. <laughs> but I'm not used to being on the other side. But I initiated it, yeah. I think, so I was just wrong. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah, it was bad. Anyway, Fernando Tatis Jr. has missed the whole season. The beginning of this story is the fact that he got hurt crashing his bike, his like dirt bike, in the offseason. Yeah, it seems to be happening with a lot of baseball players. <laughs> yeah, what is going on? <laughs> They've all forgot how to ride bikes. Uh, breaks his wrist. He's been on the IR, IL, whatever, all season long. He's about two days away from coming back for the San Diego Padres, a team looking to win a World Series, and he pops positive for the juice. Doing the roids. He claimed it was he had ringworm, and he took a medication for ringworm, and it had the steroid in it, but it's a very popular and very well-known steroid for athletes and baseball players in general. That's fun. Has he been on it the whole time, I wonder? I don't know. I actually thought about that before the Home Run Derby this year. I was watching the Home Run Derby he was in. I think it was a Home Run Derby. I don't know. I was watching some highlights with him hitting home runs. And he's not a, like a huge looking guy. No. But he crushes the baseball. And now, yeah. now it makes you think. I'm sure there's a ton of guys, though, that are still on it that you don't know. That For you sure. really wouldn't even realize. And I'm sure it's progressed to a point where when we were growing up in the, the steroid era of baseball, Every guy that took it was gigantic. Oh, you can just now tell. Now guys take it, and you may you might not be able to tell exactly. Yeah. it's The drugs are probably advanced, too, where your head doesn't turn into a watermelon. <laughs> your head doesn't grow three sizes at the age yeah. of 34 like Barry Bonds. <laughs> yeah, Bonds. Never uh, did steroids, guys. Never. Yeah, <laughs> McGuire, all of them. But also, uh, the way he plays, he needs to be still agile, so it makes more sense. Right, but everyone also says... A lot of people, everyone, a lot of people say they think Tiger was on steroids. Woods? Yeah. Yeah, I could see that. And in golf, you wouldn't think because you'd think you'd, you'd bulk up and you'd get less agile and, you know, more stiff through your swing. But he never got that way. But that doesn't mean he wasn't doing them. Well, he went through that phase where he wanted to be a Marine. Yeah, that's true. And he was like jumping. Seal. Yeah. And he was like jumping out of uh, helicopters and stuff. Do you need steroids to jump out of helicopters? I jumped out of a plane. <laughs> I didn't take any steroids. <laughs> Not that you know of. I think they slip them. Well, it was that ringworm medicine I was taking. Yeah, that helpful. helped. <laughs> it was all that wrestling you do. Yeah, it's, I'm a big wrestler. <laughs> so Tatis gets an 80-game suspension. 
Speaking of baseball news, Jacob DeGrom has been unbelievable to start the regular season or start his regular season. He's only had three games for the Mets. He now has struck out 28 of his first 56 batters he's faced in his first three starts of the year. The yeah, highest insane. percentage since 1898. Wow. He has struck out 50% of the guys he's faced so far. He struck out 10 in six and two thirds last night. And the Mets are awesome as it is. The Mets are pretty fun this year. They yeah. might be one of the most fun teams to watch. And cool for the Mets. Mets fans, for the first time, I think, ever in my life, are having fun. Or at least since they've had Piazza. They're yeah. dancing in the stands. They're, they're Last night, they were doing chants and some kind of weird, like, spirit finger waving thing every time he got a strikeout. They were having a blast. I've never seen Mets fans have so much fun in my life. That's cool. I mean, their team is stacked, especially now that they have DeGrom back. You got Max still looking like vintage Max. Yeah. His, I think he's like eight and two. His ERA is unbelievable. What's the polar bear doing? Pete Alonso is he still crushing home runs like he has been ever since he started? Yeah, just a a casual twenty nine home runs, ninety seven RBIs. Get ninety seven ribbies already. <laughs> That's insane. That's like half the year only. That's crazy. Um, so yeah, the Mets have been a, an unbelievably fun team to watch, and maybe the best part is Edwin Diaz, their closer, and his his music. He comes oh, he, into the so game cool. too. It's and the fans go nuts and they pretend to play trumpet. Uh, Edwin Diaz, this is what you get to hear when he comes out of the bullpen. Yeah, immediately I'm bobbing my head. Yeah, this is fun. <laughs> The fans are all playing trumpet. Mr. and Mrs. Met, the mascot, are playing trumpet. You know what all this really makes me wish? That we had a team? That the Tigers were good. Yes, exactly. <laughs> wish we had fun baseball to watch because baseball is fun when it, your team doesn't suck. Uh, but when, when your team stinks, it's not even... Worth, worth watching, watching yeah. any baseball. No. <laughs> yeah. I, I really, I say the Mets are really fun. They're fun to watch the highlights of. Yeah. Because I'd be lying if I said I watched many Mets games. I don't think, and I'm not someone who watches like baseball normally outside of the Tigers, but I don't think I've watched a game outside of the Tigers this year. I've watched more than I'd like to admit, but not I mean, nearly I'll, as much when the, as when the Tigers are good. But are you counting like, you sneak uh, like catching a third inning of a game that's on late. Or... Uh, no, I'd say watching a game like watching more than three innings. Yeah, I've watched more than a handful this year. I've probably watched 10, 15 games maybe this year that I watched more than three innings, which is a decent amount, I guess, for when your team is not worth watching for sure. Uh, another another bit of uh, news here. Did you see DJ Moore? So the NFL, obviously, in the preseason, and they're they're just starting to get into now. Uh, this is the first weekend of preseason games. However, teams do play scrimmages in their stadium and allow fans to come in. And a lot of a lot of teams. I mean, I know, I know the Lions had like twenty five thousand people at theirs. DJ Moore, wide receiver for the Carolina Panthers, stood up on the wall and got in almost into the stands to stop his fans from fighting each other the other day. I didn't watch it until uh, I got here today to record this, but it's pretty insane. Now, was that the preseason game or was that like a preseason practice? It was one of those preseason scrimmages amongst the team. So, so it's it was, like so it's like blue for, versus white, exactly yeah. for them. Yeah, uh, what yeah. a stand-up guy. I mean, it was 
It's pretty insane. Well, one team, like the only fans at the stadium are fans of Carolina. Yeah, the Carolina Panthers. <laughs> so what are they fighting about? It's not a game. It's a scrimmage slash practice. What are they fighting about? There's only Carolina Panthers fans there, so they're they're fighting each other. Well, in the video shows, there's like kids next to these guys. Uh, I don't even know if one of them is the dad of these kids. I don't know. Uh, the kid was crying though. Yeah, you could tell that's. I'm sure that's what caught the arguing, and then the kids. I'm sure is what caught DJ Moore's eye. But he stood up there and he's like right in front of him, yelling at him. He's like, "What are you doing? What what could there possibly be to fight about? There's kids everywhere. There's families everywhere. We're all fans of the Carolina Panthers. What are you? You're they're probably arguing about who's the uh, who's going to be the second string offensive lineman, <laughs> or someone yeah. spilled like mustard or ketchup on some dude's shirt. That's possible. Yeah, that's when Jack would drop him. <laughs> yeah, Jack's ready to yeah. drop the gloves. That's when he's that's when he's had enough. Your mustard got into my gummy bag. <laughs> I brought these Sour Patch Kids for me to enjoy. Mustard less. <laughs> Asshole. No, I mean, that's... Other than uh, McCaffrey, that's probably the face of the franchise. He's been unbelievable. He's, like, under the radar good. He's 1,000 yards every year. Quietly. His issue is he doesn't put up a lot of touchdowns, but that's because his quarterbacks always suck. Yeah. And now he's got Baker Mayfield and... Um, and then still Darnold. And Darnold, yeah. Uh, which, they're pretty much the same person. <laughs> Yeah, they uh, played the same exact amount of time the other night and had just about the same. Yeah, stats. they're the they're the same person. Uh, but good for him. That was it was cool to see. Yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, uh, go look it up. I mean, it's short too. Yeah, it's it's the thirty second clip. And he's just but. standing on the um, railing, so, pretty much yelling at the fans. So what we're what we're uh, getting at here is. Draft him in every fantasy league because he's a good guy. He's a good guy. <laughs> Drafting yeah. good guys over here. Or as J.J. Watt would say, we're good-ass dudes. Yeah. <laughs> Just draft good-ass dudes. <laughs> Keep it on the football trend. Hard Knocks episode one. Did you watch? Oh, I watched. I don't have HBO Max, All unfortunately. Right, well, you just sit there, then. <laughs> <laughs> you can still, like, uh, we'll, we'll, pretend you watched. We'll get- <laughs> just, like, make up scenarios. Chime in, yeah. And you can test <laughs> us to see if we really watched. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get you the HBO login that I don't pay for. That'd be great. Um, Dan Campbell was pretty darn good, including the opening, uh, essentially what is the opening speech and the best line that I'm sure will get used multiple times on this podcast. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. <laughs> wait, 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 one more time. Doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes, I will beat your ass. <laughs> Out of context? What? Yeah, I, I, I haven't seen this episode, so I'm like, is he? Who's he talking to? But you're, you're oh, he's pumped, addressing the team, though. It's just, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And I told Adam, I was like, it makes me really want to watch this. <laughs> three toes. One uh, ass cheek. What? Oh, did you get attacked by a gator and what? bit your foot? And you never your heard that. You never heard no, that they, line before. That's a, that's an old line that came from like back from the Pilgrim there. <laughs> no, that Shakespeare wrote <laughs> about that. That's a Shakespeare line. <laughs> that's old Bill. He really just added to his standard line, which is his go-to, which is "I will beat your ass." <laughs> yeah, anything in front of that comes right off the top of his head. <laughs> Episode one was very coach heavy. Uh, it was cool to see. Not a lot of people realize the guys that are on the Lions coaching staff. No. Uh, in the episode, they said it was, what, like 70 combined years of NFL experience? It was like 80, 80 plus, but then they there's also, um, I can't remember what he coaches, but there's another guy that they completely forgot about, too. Um, 
that coaches and he has at least like five, six years of NFL experience. Yeah, they're all like NFL vet veterans mm -hmm. and, and played for like, you know, a lot of those guys played for dec a decade or more. And they covered this in the episode, but they're all glue guys. They're like, no one was like the best player right. on the team. Yeah, they're all they're all. Yeah, locker room guys, guys that bring the team together, and they were n none of them were superstars. No, but then you have guys like uh, Randall L, who pretty much won Pittsburgh the Super Bowl. Yeah, he's awesome. You know, he's so good. Uh, Deuce Staley was on that team too, who's our running backs coach and assistant uh, assistant, assistant coach assistant or head assistant coach. head coach. Yeah, yeah. Uh, him and Aaron Glenn going at it. Oh, that it was the best so part awesome. of the whole thing. The fire that those guys still have, and they say it. You know, it's them kind of reverting back to their their playing days. Yeah, but they go going at each other on the sideline. I mean, in each other's faces, and it was so good. Oh, uh, it was the best. He's circling him uh, right in the beginning of practice. He's like, "Man, can you stop circling yeah. me?" England, why are you circling me? Yeah. <laughs> He's like, "This is what vultures do." <laughs> I like the part where they score right away, and Deuce Staley goes, he goes there, and he goes, "You better tell him we're out here. You forget to tell him we're playing. You forget to tell him we're playing." <laughs> I liked when the D started like making plays and Deuce got quiet. And then there was one bomb that uh, the offense hit and he comes running around out of nowhere and he finds Glenn. He's like, you forget about me? Yeah. Did you forget about me? <laughs> oh, I liked it. Well, when the, when the defense was lighting up the offense for a little bit, uh, Aaron Glenn was talking and talking and it showed, showed Deuce Daly and he's looking at his, his play calling sheet and he looks up and he's just like, shit. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. He's like, what are you writing? No writing down. Yeah. No notes. What are you writing, what are you writing we down? We know you ain't writing nothing down. <laughs> yeah, those guys. But that that energy in practice and those guys being that competitive, even as teammates, is that has got to feed that whole team. That has got to like run through every single guy on that team to want to compete like that every practice. Well, watching the whole team uh, embrace Billie Jean when Hutch that, is singing that was pretty it good too. Is, is just evidence that the team like – at least likes each other. Yeah. You know, I don't know if that means wins or anything, but everyone is our buds or are bonding as a team, which is cool. Did you see the, the t-shirt throw? Yeah. And caught. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That was really good. And then just started whipping yeah, it around. Yeah. Like it, like it was meant to be caught yeah. it in the air and just started whipping it. No <laughs> idea where it came from. Yeah. The guys in the, in that, that meeting room going nuts for him was pretty awesome. Uh, well, first preseason game, uh, they played Billie Jean at uh, Ford Field, yeah, which is cool. Yeah, you can hear it in the background. Yeah. How about, uh, how about the ending? Did you happen to watch through the credits? Uh, I watched up until um, Hopkins was on the box. So, well, maybe you missed it then. I don't remember where that was in the sequence, but. Are you talking about when Deuce Daly said no farting yeah, in the no room? Yeah, no farting in the meeting yeah. room. And he's, and he's about this. Me and Joe, we're like two and a half feet away. He's staring at the guy who did it. He goes, yeah. so anybody who did it knows not to do it again or they're out of my meeting room, right? Oh, and he's pissed. Yeah. He does not want any flatulence in his meeting rooms. No, the best part is he's like, you go outside and then you take a lap. Yeah. You wait You wait two minutes. Yeah, before you don't you just back come in. right back in. You take a lap. You walk it out. So if you have to fart, you have to run. Yeah. That shit goes back in the room with yeah. you. You will wait outside for two minutes before you come back in my meeting room. He's like, if you if you fart in this room, you're getting fined. Yeah, you're getting fined. <laughs> As he's saying this, he's probably squeaking out a quiet one. <laughs> no, he's serious about flatulence. Yeah. <laughs> Very serious. Uh, yeah, and then Aiden Hutchinson was the, uh, the other thing. He looked good in practice, and then he showed it in the preseason game. A sack right away, and absolutely just swim move. Guy went right down to the ground, and he walked in and 
Oh, it wasn't. It wasn't a sack, but it was uh, um, oh, tackle uh, philosophy yeah. on the running back. But that was. He looks like he's going to be really good. Well, in the first play ever, he got a tackle. Yeah, it he, was a gain for like six. But yeah. yeah, it looked good, and that team looks. I mean, they're going to be fun to watch on on Hard Knocks the whole time. And if uh, I mean, it'll get more player heavy. It was very coach heavy for this first episode. It'll get more player heavy as we go, but it's going to be such a blast to watch Dan Campbell. I mean, even if it's coach heavy. I mean, they'll do what they do in Hard Knocks, where they'll start featuring players fighting for jobs. Yeah, and and I'm sure there'll be some outside the facility stuff that they show. Yeah, I bet like Funchess will be a guy because uh, he's trying to get a job. He's also a Detroit guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but first episode, I mean, there's people on Twitter reading comments and listening to other people talk about it. They're saying that was maybe one of the best episodes of all time. I think this is the quote unquote the comeback of hard knocks being having another really, really good season. The first one since maybe who was uh didn't the Eagles do one when uh what's his name was the coach? Um uh, Ryan was it No, that was Jets. The Jets, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That was a good season just because yeah. of him. It seems like the Lions are the kind of team that is ignoring that there's cameras around. Yeah. They're still being themselves as they would if you weren't there. I mean, I don't know if I've ever heard as many F bombs in an episode of Hard Knocks as we did in the first episode of the Lions one. Oh, yeah. And, and those guys, those guys, you can tell that's how those guys are on a daily basis, whether there's cameras around or not. I think it's also, there's something to be said, like no one really knows Anybody? Campbell yeah. or any of these coaches of or even the players, yeah. you know? Yeah. I mean, who's the most recognizable Lion? It's probably Goff. Yeah. You know? And maybe Jamal Williams just because he was a Packer for so long. Yeah. And then that's it. Yeah. Who was awesome too, by the way. His, um, his speech. I mean, I know we saw it on Twitter cut down a couple days before, but it, the, the, passion thing, that, the passion that guy has for football and for that team is just is awesome. It's cool. And and as you get older, especially in football, uh, he's he's got to know his years are numbered, mm-hmm. right? Especially at that position, too. Yep. Uh, so being a backup running back and having that much passion and almost being a leader of a team as the backup. Hey, he might be. The leader of this team. Yeah. I mean, he might be the voice in that locker room. I don't know who else it would be. I mean, even Campbell saw him heading out to practice. He's like, I know I don't got to I don't gotta get you ready. Yeah, I don't got to worry about you. I don't got to worry about you. you. I ain't got to worry about you. Did Hard Knocks ever do one on um, Seattle or Oakland when Marshawn was on the team? No. Why? You want to bring up Marshawn's DUI? <laughs> the DUI, dude. That, dude. that was a bad one. So did they? He had did, no tire left on his car. Did he crash before they like multiple times? Really? Yeah, he was sleeping at the wheel when they got when they found him. Uh, that sucks. That sucks. Real bad one. Uh, Marshawn was always a good guy Thanks for, for bringing uh, the mood down. Jack. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I'm sorry. Was I didn't I missed this? Was anyone hurt or injured or anything? No, no, but I don't they, think so. They found him sleeping in his car essentially, and they said his rim and tire were completely off his car, so he had hit multiple things. That sucks. Yeah. Not yeah, it's unfortunate. I was uh. I was a big fan of him because he uh, advertised Skittles all the time. He's a big Skittle guy. Yeah. <laughs> Beast mode and Skittles. Yeah, he would Pop eat that them action uh, during, uh, during the game. Drop. Yep. So our no- Hard Knocks episode two is uh, Tuesday. Should be interesting to see uh, after, you know, post game and see what they what they talk about. Cause oh, they pretty much lost on a, a Hail Mary, too. But you can't be happy about the way the defense performed. They were no. terrible. Jeff Okuda was bad again. Yeah, I... It's tough. I mean, the Achilles. I mean, that's just that's a tough injury to come back from. First game, too. Yeah, but let's, fine. Not for, let's not forget he sucked before that. Yeah, but he also had maybe the worst coach of 
ever. all time, which is a lot to say for Lions fans. That's true. Hey, he's running the offense in in uh, New England. Yeah, but he came here because he was a defensive guru. <laughs> now he's the offense. That's not usually a good sign. Yeah, Belichick might be in trouble. He has no what's. He don't know what end is up right now. All right, let's roll on here. Oh, just feel is gone. <laughs> Elevilus firing, come on! <laughs> All right, so Alavila finally fired as the GM of the Detroit Tigers. So, all right, I have a I have a quick thing I want to read here that I wrote for the podcast. This is a basically a short, a brief history or a summary of the Alavila tenure. Okay. Here we go. Cue up the music, Jack. Oh, no music? Okay, I'll just go then. LV was with the Tigers organization for 22 long years. On Wednesday, eight days after he ran the MLB trade deadline, Chris Illich fired the GM, who was in the middle of his sixth straight losing season under his watch. In his seven-year tenure as GM... The Tigers under Alavila had 405 wins and 573 losses, the worst being the 114-loss 2019 team. The team had three bench bosses over Al's time, Brad Osmus, Ron Gardenhire, and current manager A.J. Hinch. The only winning season was the first full season under Avila, which was 2016, which saw them finish 86-75 and 75, miss out on a wild-card spot by just two and a half games. Going into the past offseason, the rebuild, according to Chris Elledge, the owner, was said to be absolutely over. That led to one significant signing, which was Javi Baez, and that has turned out to be all but a complete disaster. The Tigers under Alavila quickly shifted to a rebuilding franchise that year, and year after year, it seemed to get no closer to a team ready to start competing, and before the midway of this season, it was clear that it'd be another wasted season. In 2022, the minor league system is a void of any real promising talent who projects to be in the major leagues in the next four to five years, and the team is in a situation where the rebuild of the rebuild now must begin. How about these stats? They had they have not had a 30 home run hitter since Al's first full season, which was Miggy and Justin Upton. So that's 2016. The last 10 game winner they had in the rotation was Justin Verlander and Michael Fulmer in 2017. So Al's second season. Simply put, Al Avila was absolutely miserable as the general manager of the Tigers. Not good. <laughs> not good. Not good. Uh, some of the moves Al Avila made. Here we go. A trade history. First bad move was the beginning of the sell-off. J.D. Martinez to Arizona for infielder Dawal Lugo, infielder Sergio Alcantara, infielder Jose King, a guy who hasn't made it out of double-A since the trade. So essentially, you got just about nothing. Yeah, I think Lugo probably played 60 games for us. I don't even know if it was that much. Yeah, Alcantara played a couple, and that was it. Yeah. Another guy who didn't get anything. He got nothing for Justin Upton, trading him to the Angels. And just in case you don't remember, that was less than two years after signing Justin Upton to a six-year, $132 million deal. So Jay Up signs that in 2016. He played 278 games as a Tiger and was traded by 2017. And he wasn't good here. He wasn't great, no. Justin Verlander to the Houston Astros for Franklin Perez, who is 0-3 with an ERA over nine this year in rookie ball. So he traded Justin Verlander to this point that could still has not been able to get out of rookie ball. I think double A was the highest he got, and it was like two games. He got Jake Rogers in that deal. He's a 28-year-old catcher who we've seen with the Tigers a little bit. Mm-hmm. Career batting average of 182 with 10 homers and 25 RBIs and 255 plate appearances. 
and Daz Cameron, maybe the best part of that trade, who is now 25, batting 201 with five home runs and 24 RBI and 244 MLB plate appearances. Terrible. Uh, He got some semblance of value getting Willie Castro in a deal for Leonis Martin, somebody who probably shouldn't have got you anything. At least you got an MLB player out of it. Yeah. Uh, the fifth terrible trade got nothing for Mike Fires, who ended up going 15 and four with a sub four ERA the next season for the A's. Mm-hmm. Absolutely nothing for him. Again, got again not nothing here, but got Alex Lang for Nick Castellanos. So nothing special, but he got a lot of nothing along with Alex Lang for Castellanos. Well, that's probably unfortunately his best trade because Lang is actually pretty solid in the bullpen. Yeah, he's been pretty good. Uh, and then his signings, the Jordan Zimmerman five-year, $110 million deal. Woof. Mitigated. You know, it's a, that was a disaster. The Upton signing. He was never good. No, yeah. you know, he was never, never once was he good. No. And he really wasn't great his final year in Washington no, was, before we signed him. That was a bad signing. This year's Javi Baez deal, six years, $140 million to be pretty much terrible. Although he does lead the, lead the Tigers with 11 home runs. All 11 of them. And the Eduardo Rodriguez signing of this year, five years, $77 million, to pitch to the tune of a 1-3 record with an ERA of 4-3-8, and then went AWOL for two months during the season and didn't answer calls. What is AWOL? How did he go AWOL? He just, he just bailed. left. He went back to wherever country he's from, where, Venezuela or whatever, and then didn't answer their phone calls for two and a half months. Are you allowed to do that with a contract? They gave him a leave of absence at first to deal with a personal issue, but then he just didn't answer any of their calls for two months. Hmm. So he came he's, back and he sucks now. <laughs> yeah, along with the entire team. <laughs> yeah. So all of that disaster leads me to this question. Is he the worst GM in Detroit sports history? History, like all of Detroit sports, all of Detroit sports. Is he worse? The the comparable is Matt Millen. I posted I posted on Facebook a couple weeks back that he's worse for the Tigers than Matt Millen was for the Lions. Or and I Quinn is actually probably a better comparison because they both took over teams that were playoff teams. The the similarities here is that Millen was around for seven years too. Yeah. Um. So is Avila the worst in Detroit sports history? If it's yes, it's only well. I shouldn't say only, but it it is because he took over a team that was at least playoff talent. Like, right? He he took a team that was a perennial playoff team. Well, and he took over in August of fifteen. Yep. So he, all, all he did was make bad signings going into sixteen. <laughs> so did he ever make the playoffs? No. Because the first year was 2016. His first full season was 2016. It was Osmus's last year. It was last year. And it was the 80, what did I say, 80, 86 and 75 season. They missed out on the wild card by two and a half games. It's the trades and the dumps. Like that was, uh, I don't even fault him for like trading those guys to not get something back though. Is the issue. Is the issue. Um. Because there was like a contract dump, you know, right. when he took over. I'm not saying he didn't have to go into a rebuild. Yeah. But the rebuild never went anywhere. The minor league system sucks. You never got any better. At one point, they won 49 games or whatever in one season. And you're back to having to rebuild a seven-year rebuild. Well, and your two number one overalls are question marks. Torque is batting like 160 in the minors. And the other one's not even playing right now because he's yeah. just got Tommy John. Um, and Riley Green has been okay. 
Yeah, Riley Green's well. Your best is Scruble. Yeah, but who's, he's not who's, even who's now. Who's now playing well? Well, he's hurt. Yeah, and hurt. He's now. on sixty sixty day IL now. He's yeah. done for the year with an elbow issue. So is is he a Tommy John candidate too? Probably. No, he already got it done. Oh, he did. Scooble did. Yeah, it's well, already then, done. There you go. So he basically got a whole lot of nothing for what was what it, you basically want to say was a playoff team. They had playoff talent. Oh, for sure. So I I would say and for 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 my money he's the worst GM the city's probably ever seen. Now maybe there's one that we're not thinking of that we go back before we were alive. But. Yeah, it's it, what makes him the worst is the team was talented when he took over. Uh, Millen just was bad just every year, no matter what. Pissed away anything. He yeah, ever, yeah, uh, and. And and the fact that I think what makes it the the worst like that tops it all is the fact that you rebuilt for essentially six full seasons and you're nowhere closer. You might not even be better than you were six years ago. Like there's you you haven't you haven't gotten better or built any kind of a minor league system to say the rebuild is at least even moving in the right direction. It hasn't well, that's even, the problem. It hasn't there's even no... taken one step forward. It's just step back after step back after step back. Well, if you look at uh, what Stevie going into is fourth season now yeah he'll remind you if you ask him about it yeah he's <laughs> <laughs> been here for four years fourth and this, year of the is, rebuild. this is the fourth year of the rebuild uh and in four years our farm system looks amazing like oh yeah yeah and in seven years of avila though baseball is different i get that there's so many different leagues they play in and it takes a while to see players we have no one. No, still there. There, there may be one or two names, maybe that you could say in five years they have a fifty-fifty shot of being in the majors. I mean, there's no one even you're excited about. No, there's no like Not cider one. waiting. There's no Edvinson waiting. Nobody. Uh, even we just talked about the Lions. There's no Hutch. There's no Jamison Williams. Nobody. You know, and guys, you thought we're going to be that in Mize and uh, Torque, even Green. Um, I mean, there's, there's no, the promise is kind of already gone. Well, right. Exactly. They just came up and you're already like, wow, well, they're not what we thought they would be. Yeah. Well, and you can look at all the, I'm not going to blame all the drafting on Alavila because I think in baseball more than any other sport, you probably rely on your scouts because there's so many players to go through. And yeah, but that's so your, many players. To that's look your at. job though. Right. But I'm, I'm, I'm not going to fully put it on Al's shoulders. I mean, it still falls on him. Ultimately, because he's the GM, yeah. yeah. But they haven't produced a a position player in like 15 years. The Tigers. We have not produced, drafted, and homegrown a position player in, I can't remember the last guy. At least ones that we've kept. I can't remember the last guy. Anyone we trade is good. Is good, yeah. So. (laughs) I think a lot of that comes down to uh, Dombrowski moving every minor league piece we ever had to try to win a World Series. So. At least the Alavila is gone. Do you have a name, somebody you'd look to? Everyone's gonna say, I mean, the yeah. Epstein, but I don't think that's happening. I had three RBIs in wiffle ball. Should, should sign me. Someone should sign you. <laughs> yeah, it, I'm ready. It, you know what? You missed your opportunity because if Al was still the GM, oh, yeah, full contract, he'd be on your front door tomorrow. <laughs> yeah, you would have a player option too. I'll take five years at 110 million. <laughs> <laughs> He's just I, gonna give you the Jordan Zimmerman deal yeah. immediately. <laughs> Throw me in some gummy snacks. I'm good. 
Yeah, I don't think you have to pay Jack. <laughs> if you just had gummy worms available, he would take it. <laughs> Wait, you tell me unlimited twin snakes? <laughs> yeah, I'll play third. For free. <laughs> play third. Shove me in the outfield. I got this. I'm good for three RBIs, one season. I mean, Epstein's... Wiffle ball RBIs. <laughs> Epstein's the name that that's easy and everyone wants. It. Yeah. I mean, he's... Literally the best GM available. And you would hope that you could be like, hey, you ended two of the longest droughts in sports history with the Red Sox and the Cubs. Come and we have Detroit a, and end one. Yeah. And we have the we have at least like long lineage of baseball here. Right. Uh, a historic team. One of the original teams. But I don't think we're He's working him. for the MLB. I'm sure his next step is trying to become the uh, commissioner. I know. Yeah. I would say that if Mike was still around, he would he'd get him. That's the guy he'd go get. Yeah, yeah, because he'd make the big splash. He'd pay whatever it took to he'd get him. He'd just pay the... whatever it took. Yeah, um, I don't see Chris as being that kind of guy. No, and he hasn't showed that he is. Well, the rumor is that they're going to hire within, which is we're just going to have the same team. <laughs> yeah. Seven more years of nothing. Yeah, so fun. So that's fun. All right, let's get into some hockey. The old organ gets Joe into hockey. That's that's the only thing right there. Yeah, I'm ready. Uh, the Bruins bring back Patrice Bergeron and David Krejci. For three, Marshawn to Bergeron, he scores! Bergeron coming back is, is big for them. Doesn't matter what he can do or when he actually plays. Very cheap, too. Well, they were both going to be cheap deals. They're very incentive-laden deals. I think Bergeron was, what, two and a half, and he can make another two and a half in bonuses, depending on you know, performance-based bonuses. Rusty running up and down the stairs. That's all right. Yeah, he's just a dog. He's the dog of the pod. He's a dog. Uh, so Bergeron coming back. That's big for them. I mean, what's his timetable on returning? Because uh, I, I know he got surgery over the offseason, right? Yeah, I think he's at least a couple months before he's before he, before he's playing. Rusty, go lay down. <laughs> uh, Bergeron then revealed that he had surgery to repair a torn or a tendon in his left elbow. So, I don't know how long so you that got takes. A, you got a diagnosis, doctor? Yeah. <laughs> so, Jack, how long does uh, one elbow surgery take to recover? He's out for the season. <laughs> <laughs> so, the Bergeron deal, yeah, it was $2.5 million, One year, $2.5 million, another $2.5 million in incentives. Uh, basically, all bonuses, uh, if you can get there. Uh, and then, they also bring back David Krejci. What did Krejci play last year? Where did he play? Did, did he play at all? I think he played in the Swiss League, but I could be wrong. So they're bringing him back from not NHL service. Yeah, let me look up where he played real fast. He's got to hurry. The Rich Hutchins scores! David Krejci with eight-tenths of a second left. The Bruins! Krejci gets a one-year, $1 million deal. Uh, he also has $2 million in, in performance bonuses. Uh, oh, this is a very clever, very clever NBC Sports. August 8th, 2022, David Krejci checking back in because he's a check <laughs> i was talking to um about Krejci. i said what if he comes back he's a 20 goal scorer is he out for a little bit too though because here's his incentive in his contract he will receive one million dollars for playing 10 games and another five hundred thousand after playing 20 games do they not expect him to play much i don't know if, if he's hurt or or they just needed 
some way to get that money on there without yeah putting the money on there putting the money on there because um and i was wrong i i that was dumb of course you played in the check league please check um but uh he was almost a point a game in the check league last year i mean he'll be fine but they're bringing back a 36 and a 37 year old right and bringing him back to an old team yeah um I mean, Marshawn's what, 34? 30, yeah, 34? going to be 34, 30, I think. Yeah, so you, if you had a line of those guys, you have three 35-plus-year-olds on a line. And, I mean, Krejci is still valuable. Yeah. And Bergeron's still very good. But I don't think uh, I don't think bringing them back changes much of my prediction of what they're going to be. No, a couple, couple old guys coming back into the fold. It's good for... They're, I'm sure their fans are excited to have those guys back. Exactly. Beyond that, I don't think it changes much either. They did re-up Pavel Zaka as well, who they brought over in a trade. He gets a one-year contract, the 25-year-old. Mm-hmm. You knew they were going to get him done. He had Arbright's uh, scheduled for August 11th. They got that done just just under the wire there. Well, the thing with him, though, is they uh, it's only a one-year, so he's a free agent next year. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a show-me deal and one that you hope you can probably hope you can re-sign him before the season's over because you gave up Eric Hall to, Eric Hall to get him. Well, and they, they had to make sure they had money because their big name's coming off right next year. Pasta, so pasta's yeah. up. They need to... And Pasta's already at a 6.6. Pasta's done. <laughs> Soup's on. Uh, and there's rumors that... Uh, well, I don't know if he wants out, but the, do you think the... The coming back of Krejci, we might have even talked about this before, and uh, now that DeBrusca doesn't want to leave, is that pretty evident that it was the coach? I think so. Yeah. It was all Cassidy. Yeah. They didn't like playing for Cassidy. I mean, immediately, and Bergeron didn't want to re-up all last year until he found out that Cassidy was gone. Right. So this team, okay, so say this team, say they missed the playoffs. Which is possible. Right. They're, they were the last team in last year, right? Or was Washington? Uh, Washington was. Yeah. They have Pasta, Felino, Zaka, Craig Smith, Bergeron, Nosek, Chris Wagner, David Krejci, Connor Clifton, all coming off the books as unrestricted free agents. Mm-hmm. You're sitting on Marshand for two more years after that. Hall for two more years, Coyle for three more years, one more year to Brusque, and then your defensemen who are all signed long term. At least your top three: Carlo Lindholm and McAvoy. Which is fine. Where Most. does yeah, but where, okay, I guess, where does this team go next year if they miss the playoffs? Are they a pay up big, re up Pasta, keep them in town, and try to fill some of these holes because? You would assume Felino probably retires. Bergeron, Krejci probably retire. I don't see them coming back again. You know, this will probably be the last kick at the can for those guys. You have Olmark for two more years under contract. You, you would have to re-up a restricted free agent in Swayman. Mm-hmm. Trent Fre- Frederick is, a, is restricted. Where would you, if you, okay, let's put it this way. If you were in Boston and you were the GM, what direction are you going for them? Are you rebuilding? Or are you trying to bring Pasta back and refill that lineup with whatever UFAs you can. And I missed the playoffs. Yes. Uh, well, I don't think you can 
You have to resign Pasta. Or get something for him. You can't just let him walk. Unless you go tear tear down rebuild. Well So so okay, so all right, when so, do then, I know, so then back up the timeline. Yeah. You're out of the playoffs at the deadline. Are you are you saying I don't care, I'm bringing pasta back whether we miss the playoffs or not? Or are you saying I gotta move this guy to get something for him before he walks out the door in the summer? I think you have to keep pasta. I, I the only reason I do say that is because you have what is this? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, eight-ish, nine-ish guys coming off the books. So you could have a whole new team. Um, and Pasta's still going to be 27 to start the following year. So he's 26 this year. If you re-sign him, he's going to be 27. He's still top 20 in the league. Okay, so put put their budget into into your consideration here though they're they're projected to have 25 and a half million next year with all those guys coming off the books and what do you think pasta gets he's probably asked for 10 yeah he's gonna get at least nine as well no lower say. than nine okay yeah. so let's say let's split the difference say you give him nine and a half yeah 9.5 so that only takes so with with call it 16 million bucks left what are you doing with that money all right how are you gonna fill eight other roster spots with your 16 million bucks and make this team competitive. That's where, that's where I feel like it gets a lot. You have to really think ahead a lot more. If you're the Boston Bruins re-signing pasta and giving him even close to what he wants. Cause yeah, cause he's not taking a home hometown discount at this point in his career to stay in Boston to maybe not win. No. And looking at this roster, this, this roster is not set up to win. I mean, you have, so say you do re-sign Pasta, you have Pasta, a 35-year-old Marchant, a 31-year-old Hall, and a 31-year-old uh, Coil. And then your D is McAvoy, who is Stud. good, yep. is very good. And then Lindholm, who is very good. Mm-hmm. And then Carlo is, for his price point, he's he's a good, he could play probably four or you would probably most likely want him at five six, but yeah. But I think for for four point one, he could probably f- he he's a good he's a good four. Yeah, yeah. He can fit. He can play your four. Um, but at four million, that doesn't really hurt if he has to play a five. Right. You know, you're not paying him six or something. Your whole D is coming back next year, so you don't have to resign any D men. And the year after. And the year after, um, Swayman's not going to get a ton. Right to come back, right. he probably gets Jack's favorite and bridge, uh, bridge, <laughs> bridge. Him. Uh, I mean, they're in the they're in the problem with this. Have no talent coming up, so I haven't looked at the UFA pool, but that's what you're refilling your team with. I if if I'm if I'm Boston, your fans aren't going to like it. I'm probably. I'm probably pulling the trigger on a rebuild and doing it as fast as, as, as as rapidly as you can. If that means moving pasta at the deadline. Now, if you're really close at the deadline, if you're four points out, six points out, it's probably a lot tougher to do that. Mm -hmm. But I think for the, for the sake of this team moving forward, I know you want to bring pasta back. He's a fan favorite and you probably should bring him back. I'm probably looking to see what I can get for him at the deadline. And that means setting you into full rebuild for sure. All right. So, yeah, they, 
they I don't know if I'm if I'm the GM of the Bruins I probably would would restart the rebuild but I don't know I think you're right I don't, I'm not really sure you can with some of those names on the roster and you're right you probably do need to bring back bring back uh, Pasta I'm fine trading him if you think but you almost need to sign him to a contract and then trade him sign a trade because uh, which did you know that that was the first ever sign and trade in NHL history. The yep. Kachuk trade? The Kachuk deal. Yeah, I know. I didn't know that until it was announced. Yeah. First one ever that the... I know the NBA's been doing it for a while, but... Now it's becoming a thing. Which is cool. I guess you could do that, and it would make more sense for someone to give up. Because if you're trading pasta, you want... You want a lot for them. At least two first round picks. You're looking for the Eichel deal. Yeah. I mean, it has to be. Other news around the NHL, the Rangers named Jacob Truba the captain. Only the third defenseman uh, currently serving as captain in the NHL. Does that surprise you a little bit? Who's the other three or two? Roman Yossi. Drawing a blank. Wait, let me think. (laughs) Let me think. Yossi. And. Nobody. There's only two. No, there's three. I promise you there's three. Hold it, hold it, hold it. Oh, is Doughty? I know the other one. No, you're never going to guess this. I'm never going to guess It's it. in the Western Conference. No, I will guess this. Okay. Western Conference. So it's Roman Yossi, now Jacob Truba, and Western Conference, not a superstar. Journeyman? No. Just coach? He's, just, he's coach. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's only been with this team. Um... Not the Ducks. Nope. Less West Coast. Not it's not West Coast. It's more middle of the country. You would almost you would almost think it's no. It's not his name either. You would almost <laughs> How do you say that one? Perieco? That, you nailed it's it. Perico. I said Perico. No, Perieco is I better. Said Perinko, <laughs> I said Perico. Uh, you're still wrong. Uh you would think it's Midwest. Oh, okay. Oh, uh um Blues? Dumba. No. Of same right team. Spurgeon. Oh, uh, uh, yeah, Spurgeon. Garrett Spurgeon. Yeah. I are you surprised by that? There's only three defensemen in the NHL that are captains right now. That is surprising. I could see. I think we also just grew up in an area, an era, area, an era with guys like Lidstrom and you know Chara and Brian Leach and yeah. you know all know these Pronger was ever defense. a captain. Pronger. Right. Pronger. And, we, we grew up in an era with a lot of phenomenal defensemen who were the leaders of their team. Scott Niedermeyer. Yeah, you know, I don't even know if some of those guys were captains, but they were even like Geo recently. Right, he was a yeah. captain for a long time, and yeah, he was the one that left the captaincy most recently as a yeah. Well, besides Chara, but Chara um, too, yeah, yeah. Uh, so Truba, the captain of the Rangers. Elsewhere, bad news in uh, Raleigh. Is that where they're at? Raleigh, I think they're yeah. in Raleigh. Max Pacioretty tears his Achilles. He is out six months. This guy just can't catch a break. I know. I like him a lot, too. And that was a hell of a deal for Carolina because, you know, Vegas just got to give up. Got him for for nothing. nothing. So he tears his Achilles. Uh, Vegas related. Robin Leonard has hip surgery. He will miss the entire 22-23 season. Yeah, that article I read really fooled me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Jack Reed's a great. uh, Pull up the quote if you can. Yeah, I'm pulling it up right now. Jack texts me and Joe a quote. Oh my God! Do you see what Robin Leonard says? I love this guy. He just says what's on his mind all the time. It's at the very uh, bottom. Probably very bottom. It says probably. It said, my hip isn't even that bad. But if the front office doesn't give a shit about hockey in Vegas, why should I? <laughs> yep, he said that in the, in the media. And I wrote pew pew pew, <laughs> in, indicating shots, shots fired. Shots fired, baby. 
And then Adam just zoomed into probably and <laughs> screenshotted. Adam's following text was, you know, he didn't say that, right? <laughs> so injuries in the offseason, that bites for Vegas. Also, who cares? Screw Vegas. But that means that they uh, they don't have a, a, a real solid goaltender there now, do they? No, I don't. I wouldn't even say they don't have a goaltender. So we questioned whether they were going to make the playoffs anyway. It was one of the first questions we had when going through all our teams. Now, no. are they going to miss the playoffs again? Yeah. I mean, I think so. They're still f- almost $6 million over the cap. Bridge. Bridge them all. Bridge them all. <laughs> hey, they, so they, not only do they not have a goalie, they don't even have money to buy a goalie. And they must lose. they have to lose someone on their roster still. That team is such a mess. They, I, they really, they better really hope their the next ten years is just living off that first season of expansion team has never done this before run because well, that's their that's their lifeline that's gonna be the thing they're gonna have to point to all the time now. Their GM is just living in in a. Uh, I'm sure we'll figure it out. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's yeah, we'll his out. game plan. We'll figure it out. Do you feel bad? No, in a sense for Jack Eichel because he went from one team that was not the greatest to another team that's kind of going on a down downward spiral. I don't spiral. really feel bad for anyone making $10 million a year for play true. hockey. But, true. but I, yeah, minus the paycheck, I yeah, but didn't he, didn't, I like Eichel. Did he have a no move? Didn't he kind of say where he wanted to go? I mean, I'm pretty sure he, gave, he chose like, his list Vegas, of teams yeah. where he wanted to go. I'm sure he gave his list, yeah. So I'm, so he had to okay going to Vegas. You already see, it's not like it's not like they were brand new when he went there. They already, he already knew what kind of franchise they were and the things they had already done in their history of treating players and coaches and the moves they've made and whatnot. So feel bad for him? No, not really, but it's it sucks for him. I don't necessarily feel bad for him. I feel like he had the potential. I mean, Kane will be the best USA player for the NHL, but Kane, or Eichel could have crept yeah, up there. Too. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, I, all around player maybe. Yeah. Um, I don't know. Feel bad for him? Not really, because he's a Vegas Golden Knight now. Whatever. I, I guess I feel bad for the fact that he went from. <laughs> Buffalo to a team he thought was going to be a cup contender who is now in just a terrible situation. Downward spiral. Terrible situation. Well, terrible situation with a coach that no one in Boston liked. Yeah. A so, coach that seems like he pushes people out. That that team's just a complete disaster. And there's no light at the end of the tunnel for their cap situation. Yeah, that's a uh, – talk about a team that needs to – decide at some point here to just tear everything to the studs like they need to go they need to tear it down to a to an expansion franchise a real expansion franchise if they do that do they get a new gm they probably should have had one by now already <laughs> well they already have a different gm yeah, they've than, gone through to than the one who drafted yeah that they team. drafted yeah. the whole team that was uh what's his name the old washington guy uh i know mccrimmon is there now yeah but who it was um what's his name who's in washington for a long time McPhee. Oh, George McPhee. Yeah. Yep. A tweet from Kevin Weeks put out on Wednesday, which we haven't seen anything from yet, but Weeksy usually isn't wrong when he actually tweets stuff. He hears for everything he says, he hears a lot of stuff, but he doesn't tweet it all out unless he's sure on it. Mm-hmm. Uh, the tweet was, I can't put a definitive timeline to them, but I wouldn't be shocked to see at least four transactions with the New York Islanders coming down the line. So immediately people started guessing. He doesn't give a whole lot of context in that. People started guessing Kadri. Uh, the rumor was they had put a seven times seven deal on the table for Kadri. Mm-hmm. Does he take that at some point? If you're Kadri, you better take something with a lot of years because I don't think he's getting offered that anywhere else. No. And the, after looking 
Because then the rumor is like if they're signing him, uh, what do they have? They have eleven million, so that still fits. But then you need money to sign Dobson, Bellows if you want to resign Bellows. And Barzell's uh, RFA coming up. And ba- yeah, Barzell's an RFA coming up. Only one more year, and then uh, Romanoff from Montreal. They have that they still have to resign. So that could be your four right there. So if you give Bellows, seven. Dobson, Romanoff. And if you're giving seven to Kadri, that's seven of their 11 million they have left on the cap. So, and by all counts, uh, Dobson is going to get at least four. Yeah. Yeah. Four, four um, and a half. So, so they are, they don't have money if they sign Kadri. So you're saying they got to move somebody if that's the deal. If that's the deal. And the two names that have been popping up a lot are Barzell, who seemed unhappy his last signing, his last contract signing. And then in the, in another sense, the team is probably unhappy with how Beauvillier has been playing. And that's your other guy that they might move. So Beauvillier sitting 25 year old, 4.15 for next year and the following year. Correct. Barzil's got 7 million and becomes an RFA after this year. Same age. 25 years old. Yes. We've, we saw the rumors at the deadline. At the deadline for the wings in Barzel. Mm-hmm. So let's assume they. Let's assume that's what Lou's doing. Lou's vacation's over. He put the margarita down. He's now back in the office and he's signing Kadri seven times seven. You're Steve Eiserman. You know he's in that situation. You want to go get Barzel? What are you offering? Bertuzzi and Zadina. Yeah, but Bertuzzi doesn't do it because they they can't. It's not take enough, on money. It's not money. money in and out. Yeah. It's only, they can't it only take saves money them on. like two and a half million dollars. Um, but Bertuzzi was my first thought too, Jack. Uh, but it doesn't make sense money wise. So Zadina, what prospect do you want to throw in there? Well, you're giving up a first. So a first or Z a, and Vero. Does or for lucky two seconds. But no, it's going to be a first. It's got to be a first. Does does Vero Zadina and and a first get it done? Probably not. Probably not. Probably not. What so, about Valeno? Now Valeno is someone that I was talking about with a couple people, and Valeno could actually be someone that could get it done. I think NHL talent. You know, you, you could pl- plop him in as your fourth line center centerman. immediately. Centerman is the big yeah. factor there, as opposed to and that's that's but not it, that I want to trade him, but but is uh, it Valeno? And Zadina, do you have to put enough? Either way, you're putting a first in this. In this, well, deal, I think right? it's only one of those two guys. So it's one of the other and a first round pick and a first. But plus, does, plus, like maybe it's a uh, Bergren. Maybe it's. Oh, um, see, I don't know. It's Cross. Okay, Cross Hannes. Yeah, Valeno and a first. I can live with that. I don't know if I want to move Bergren with Valeno and a first. To get no, Barzel. I want to. I see love what, Barzel. I want to see what Bergren becomes. Yeah, I don't know, man. I don't know if I want to pull the trigger on that. I mean, you're also getting a 25-year-old back who's a center. He fits the timeline. Yeah. He's a center. He's and he would be your number speed. one center most likely. And speed, if not, two. He's a fast guy. And he's probably a 60-point guy. He's done it twice. And he also had an 85-point season. And he's a pass-first guy, which if you set him up on a line with Verana or Raymond, that's perfect. Because if you look at his stats, he's only hit 20 goals once. Right. 
Um, but nice. he's almost a point a game his whole career. But he's right there, too. 18, 19, 17, 15. He's right around there. And he's playing towards hockey. So, right, 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 right. Uh, I get that his his numbers are down. But he's coming to a defensive coach. Yeah. By all accounts. I mean, we haven't seen him yet, but by, you know, by what he's been known as so far, Lalonde is a defensive coach. He's phenomenal in the playoffs, Barzil. Seven points in eight games, 17 points in 22 games, 14 points in 19 games. He's great in the playoffs. Yeah, but if you're the Islanders, say, all right, who, do you ra- who would you rather have, Matt or Kadri? Well, Barzil, obviously. Yeah, so I don't even know why they would be thinking of training him unless he doesn't want to be there anymore. Okay, so say that's not the scenario. What are you moving for Bavillier? If that's the guy, the odd man out. Well, Bavillier is is much much cheaper, right? So that means you Bavillier, you could probably do a second and a prospect. Yeah, that probably gets it done, and I'd do that in a heartbeat. I mean, he's a winger, but at four point one five, first round pick to four point one five, he's probably a forty point guy at most. He's scored twenty once, but he's along the lines of of uh, Barzil as far as goal scoring. 921 uh yeah 9-21-18-18-15-12 yeah he doesn't get the assist though that um right he's a 40 point guy at yeah. most so are you going is that is that a deal where maybe you can get a second and cross Hannes for him i mean they have to move the money out and you can't give them any money especially if you're getting bavilia he only makes 4.1 no that would be that that's their dump right and right, they, right exactly. they would need they would just need prospects or picks back. All right, so if it's Valeno in a second to get Bavillier, you'd pull the trigger? No, I wouldn't move Valeno if I'm getting If Bavillier. it was Zadina, in, Zadina a second, in a second, I would do that. I don't even think I would move Zadina for him. Berggren in a second. I would give someone that I'm not sure about. Okay, so who's your who's your guy? Does it have to be a forward? Because I would, I would much rather move one of our young D prospects, just because we're so heavy on it. Like they, they, uh, they, Vero, they, no, they they take a defenseman. Their yeah. their defensive prospects. Sabrango, uh, Vero. Okay, so Sabrango uh, is probably the, McIsaac. Those are the three that no, are don't. lower. I don't even know that we want McIsaac. Well, I'm just saying in right, right, right. In the guys of, that could move. I'm okay. not moving Evanson. So I'm Sabra- not moving. So Sabrango in a second. You're you're pulling the trigger. Because that's your better defensive prospect out of those three, but it's tough. Because like, do you think? Because I don't know that I'm pulling the trigger with Sabrango. I'd 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 push for it to be a Cross Hannis or a Vero or somebody like that. But I don't know that that. I mean, if you're if they're getting Kadri, they know they have to move somebody out. So maybe they do take one of those guys. But they're also trying to lose. Also trying to look to make the best deal he can. Well, that being said, though, like, what was his last year? Who Bavillier. Uh, this past season, yeah, this past season he had seventy-five games, twelve goals, twenty-two assists. So he's a thirty-four point guy. I think Bergen could do that. Right, right. I I would agree. So I, I don't, don't think I'd you, move him either. Though I like Beauvillier, and he does show up in the playoffs. Um, he feels like an Iserman guy. Yeah, he does feel like an Iserman guy. But I don't, I don't see anyone moving. Like I don't see Iserman moving a bunch for this guy who's only a 12-goal scorer. Right. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, and but, you could find 12 goals, and you probably think you have 12 but goals. But that's his low end. Yeah. Let's call him a... Let's call him a... Okay, if you averaged all this out, let's call him a 16-goal, 38-point So he's like Kubelik. Yeah. 16, 38. 
Yeah. I still think for so, four million, that's too much. So for like a second a in sixteen, a second in Vero, it still feels like a lot. But that's it's it, yeah, that's but like I might too much. do that because I don't know that I love Vero as far as his projections anyway. Well, and you have guys that a you lot like of, a lot of defensemen. You got um, Johansson, Edvinson, and Wallander all ahead of him, at least in um, projection depth chart. And then you still have guys like uh, Shy. Yeah. Yeah, you got your deep there. So we'll see what happens. Sabrango, too, if you think Sabrango is. Who's who's playing good at the World Juniors? Yeah. We'll see what comes of it. Like I said, Kevin Weeks usually doesn't tweet that stuff out unless he's certain about it. So we haven't seen anything since Wednesday, but we'll see. It takes Lou a little while to put the the flip flops and the bathing suit away to get back into suit mode and get back to his office. He likes his vacations. (laughs) I don't blame him. Thanks for your input, Jack. All right, here's a fun little thing. Max Boltman of The Athletic did a future Futures Red Wings article. He does this, I think he did it last year, maybe the year before. He's looking at the 2026-2027 Red Wings roster outlook. Now, these are only players currently in the Red Wings system, so this doesn't take into account any trades or any free agents they might bring in. With the Alavila news, it's a, it's a fun article to go over just because projecting the 26-27 season will be the seventh year of Iserman's GM tenure as the, with the Red Wings. So his outlook was the lineup would look something like this. Bertuzzi at 31 years old on the left. Larkin at 30 as your center. Raymond, 24 years old. Andrew Kopp at 32 years old. Casper at 22 years old. Verana at 30 years old. Your third line, Berggren at 26. Rasmussen at 27. Zadina at 26 years old. Of course, Zadina still needs to be signed. He's an RFA. Soderblom on your fourth line at 25 years old. Valeno at 26. And Carter Mazur at 24. Again, keep in mind, doesn't take into account any free agent signings that could happen or any trades. Mm -hmm. Your defense, Edvinson at 23. Sider at 25. Johansson at 25. Hronik at 28. uh, Shibuyam at 23. Sabrango at 24 years old. And then your your extra two D-men, Wallander at 24. McIsaac at 26. Ned and Kosa, Ned would be 23, Kosa would be, or, sorry, Ned would be 30, Kosa would be 23 at that point. And this is considering we lose uh, Huso? Right, right. This is considering Huso's not around anymore, so you're keeping Ned. Now, the couple things that stand out to me immediately in this is, wow, can you believe that in, we're talking four years down the line, right? Yeah. Two-thirds of your top six is going to be over 30 years old if these guys stick around. Burt, Larkin, Cop, Verana, four of your top six will already be over the age of Well, Cop definitely would be here. Yeah, oh, for sure. That'll yeah. be his last year of his deal. And Larkin most likely will definitely be here. will be here. Right. So the question marks there in your top six are probably Burt and Verana. Yeah. And I would like to think Verana's here, maybe not Burt. Yeah, that, that makes sense, uh, at least with uh, rumors and... Uh, projections of what they're going to be at that age. Right. It's crazy to also see that Mazur is going to be already 24 by that point. You know, know, that's crazy. Will be 20, even 22 is young, but Raymond will be 24. Oh, Rass at 27. Just already. looking at that lineup, though, that could be really solid. We don't know what Casper will turn into. We don't know how great Raymond really will be yet. Mazur, Soderblom, Berggren, you don't know what those guys are yet. And at that point, I bet cops not playing in the top line. No, he he put that in the article too. Yeah. There's almost you almost would expect cop to be nowhere near what you're getting out of him the next two years. Exactly. At that point, 
top six might even be a stretch for him. Yeah. Maybe Bergeron's in that spot. But in this scenario, you have you have Cider definitely in his prime at 25. Well, that was the other thing I'm looking at is you're looking at Cider in his prime. Johansson, if he turns out. Johansson in his prime. Casper entering his prime. Edvinson entering his prime. Raymond entering his prime. Like, you got a lot of guys. Soderblom. Cruising right into their prime of their career right there. Uh, Heronic is a question mark. Um, sitting at you know as your as your essentially your anchor as, as a fourth D, but still at twenty eight that's young at least in the sense of having your oldest defenseman be twenty eight. He's the veteran on that in that core. Yeah, yeah. So and then the other one is I I, I just said it a second ago. I don't believe McIsaac's anywhere near uh, an NHL roster spot at this point. I don't think he's going to be a roster or an NHL player. Injuries may have a ton to do with that. We got Maybe both soldiers or soldiers both. <laughs> He has so many soldiers. Yeah, with him that soldiers. <laughs> shoulders. That's yes. done. Well done. Uh, thank you. That took a while. Um, <laughs> and uh, I mean, that's got to take at least just like mental strength to come back from. But on top of that, just physical attributes of like holding a stick, taking shots again, taking hits. Right. Delivering and, hits. And that was just last year was the first year back. Right. So which I which and it has nothing to do with his game. I think his game was really good. I I, exactly. I love the draft pick. Talk about someone I feel bad for. I don't feel bad for Jack Eichel in Vegas. I feel bad for for McIsaac. There's nothing like he had two injuries that high second round pick. Right. And if it was one shoulder twice, it'd be a different story. It's both shoulders now. Now you have two bad shoulders. Same of one. surgery for both of them. Yeah, too. right. It's, so I don't believe that he'll be anywhere near this lineup at that point. But who knows? The guys you'd be looking at who will become UFAs before the 2026 season, Burt, Larkin, Rasmussen, Verana, Ned, and Heronic. So all guys you would expect to probably be re-upped when their contracts come up, mm-hmm. except for maybe the ones we talked about. Burt, maybe, and Heronic depends on what the next couple of years hold for him. Well, even on top of that, too, I mean, we can go, we could do this all day, but there's other names that especially in the forward realm that could be there as well. Right. Like cross or Niederbach guys. Well, like Fabry. So he brings, Oh, you got Fabry too. Well, you get, yeah. You know what? I noticed that there's no Fabry on this list. I, I didn't, maybe I missed it in the article, but he doesn't really bring that up. I wonder if it's just because, cause when is Fabry up? He's got a four year deal. I think that started last, last year, year right? last year or the beginning of this year. I think it starts this year. Fabry, I think it's four. Three, t- and he's got three. He started last year. He's got three more years at four million. Okay. So he'd be a UFA two years prior to the to the season we're talking about. Yeah. So maybe throw Fabry into that mix too. I don't know. You want to split the difference and look at the twenty five free agent class. Let's yeah, look at the twenty five free agent class. So the twenty five free agent class is the Austin Matthews year. This is a good year to look at. Stamkos, Matthews, Gensel. Reinhardt, Lindholm, Sebastian Ajo, Willie Nylander. Yeah, those are some names. Uh, Jesus. How about Matt Zuccarello will just be get, becoming a free agent at that point? <laughs> be 40 years old. Yeah, I know. Uh, Shifley, Elias Pettersson, I mean, Kopitar, whatever, uh, Marcia So. So some of these guys will be up there a little bit, and you got to expect guys like, well, unless you're Joe, Matthews won't resign. He's going to be in Arizona. Oh yeah, he's going to Arizona. Uh, you got to expect some of these guys w- would resign with their clubs. You know, maybe they. You know, Carolina probably keeps Aho, but but you you might have some really good names on the free agent market. So imagine 
So just for let's play the game. Say Eiserman went out in the 24, 25 offseason, and I don't know. Who, who do you want to sign out of that group? Gensel. You sign Willie Nylander? Gensel? Nylander is the name that pops that's, off. That's me too. So yeah. say you sign Willie. Zip it, Jack. Say you sign Willie Nylander. <laughs> <laughs> you almost made this come out of my nose. <laughs> Add Willie Nylander to that group of wingers. That top six, even the top nine, is pretty damn solid. Yeah. You know, even if you project a couple of these guys at not quite to what their maximum potential could be. Him, uh, he stands out. Aho, of course, stands out. But I, I guarantee, well, I shouldn't say guarantee, yeah. but. Don't guarantee anything in this league. It seems unlikely that. Uh, Willie, Nylander just seems like someone that has been in trades that has got to be sick of always hearing his name every offseason yeah. about wanting to be traded, that he would leave. Right, yeah, oh yeah. I think if he got his chance, he'd, he'd be out. You know? and, and I'm surprised he hasn't been traded with how often he's been rumored in trades. Every, every year. And also, every year, and he still puts up a point a game. So, let's see, that's that's what? Uh, so, Willie Nina, so these are their ages at... At, at the time. At that time. Yeah. So... Stamkos will be 34, Matthews will be 26, Gensel will be 29. And Gensel doesn't look bad at yeah, all. Yeah, Gensel's either. not bad, actually, Jack. That's That playoff performance, man. Right. I mean, he scored 40 last year. Sebastian too. Ajo, you're right, would be the number one target at, a, yeah. at 26 years old. I mean, that'd be the guy to go get. Ajo. 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 Uh, I don't know. Just fun to look at this. I mean, a couple of the notes, obviously, we talked about copying in his fifth year. Um, and then, Joe, like you you mentioned, there's possible forwards here that aren't on the list. Cross Hannes, Theodore Niederbach, and the super skilled Russian, maybe our Nikita Kucherov, Dmitry Buchelnikov. Didn't he just that get could, some kind of award? Yeah, he, like he won uh, Most Valuable Player of the Sochi. Uh, just of their team. The right? Sochi Open. The, yeah, it was like, um, I think it was, was it every Russian player or like was it an eight? I think it was a U25. Okay. Then that's he won most valuable player of that tournament. That's pretty solid. And this is also assuming that before then, you don't draft an absolute steal who all of a sudden makes the lineup. Yeah, exactly. You know I mean? Like, or this, get something for a Bertuzzi or Verana. Right. This right here is really a, a it's a really good outlook on what Steve Eiserman has done without trying to interject fan assumptions of who he's going to trade for or who he could go sign or the big splashes he could make. Correct. That's a pretty good look at some of the talent that we could be looking at in a few years that Eisman's brought in via the draft. Could we be looking at Mo and Edvinson as like the top defensive pair in the NHL by that point? I was could just be. thinking I would love to see them paired for at least like one preseason game. This season? Yeah. Yeah, just to see what it looks like. Because he'll play... he'll. Evanson's going to play most of the preseason, if not all, because he's just going to go to Grand Rapids. He's not going back to Sweden. Uh, okay. Say that happens. Say they get two games this this preseason together. Yeah. They're phenomenal together. I After watching, and this can go into our next topic of World Junior Talk, I've been watching Evanson. Uh, I think they've played like three games. They have United States tonight, it being Sunday. Uh, what's the date? The fourteenth. Uh, USA. Swedes, Swedes have only played two games. Oh, they've only played two, but Evanson looks like the real deal. He sure does. And Ripper. Yeah, that goalie scored. <laughs> Head up the whole way, walks into the top of the circle, and just they, when you shoot the puck that hard and that precise, 
you don't have to go bar down. He just puts it where they're not, and he, he hammered that. Never looked down. No, nope, never once. Uh, and granted, they're playing lesser talent. I understand that. I think his first two games was the Swiss and uh, Austria. But you got to dominate your age group. Yeah. And and by all accounts, he played great against men last year, too. But after watching uh, just the little things he does during a course of a game, his like little chip passes uh, to keep the puck in the zone, uh, outlet passes to get the puck out of the zone, um, he seems he seems like the real deal. And so, what if he's better than Mo? Well, it, I was just gonna say it's a lot of those things that we saw watching Mo for the first time. When exactly he to, when he got to the AHL, and people were like, "Holy shit, this kid's really good!" Like the li- like you said, the little things he does, you're like, "Man, he did that better than anyone on the ice." No one else is making that chip pass. No one else is making that you know that stick check. No one else is making that pa- that no look pass. Like, that he, reverse hit. Yeah, he's. There's a play uh, they're showing a bunch if you scrolled uh, Twitter during the World Juniors. But in the Swiss game, it, there's a puck that gets chipped out right past him. He f- turns, flies back, gets it. He's surrounded by three Swiss guys. He like bumps one guy off with his shoulder, makes an outlet pass uh, back up the boards, which eventually turns into a goal. I mean, never, never panic. I was going to say, there's no panic in his in, game. In his game at all. Yeah. And for a guy that size to skate as well as he does, it's it's impressive and it's like awe. Like you're in awe watching him. Right. All right. Well, it's just a fun thing to look at and uh, project where this, this Red Wings roster, at least the youngsters, could be by the 26-27 season. Take a quick break and then we'll come back with the World Juniors. Hello, Canada and hockey fans and the United I'm at the point where summer's almost over and I'm feeling it. You boys feeling it? All right, the World Juniors kicked off uh, last week on Tuesday night. So far, Canada sits atop the Group A uh, division. Nine points, they're 3-0. and Finland has only played two games. Uh, they play again tonight. They sit. Second with five points and a regulation. They get a regulation win and a shootout win. The Czechs have four points. They're in third, followed by the Slovaks in second. Latvia has one point coming in with a shootout loss to Slovakia. The United States in Group B holds top spot, nine points. They're also 3-0. and Sweden sits in the second spot. They're another one of the two-game teams. They got six points winning both of their games. Germany having a pretty good start, despite the loss to the USA to start the, start the tournament. They also have six points. So they're doing pretty solid. So far, absolutely unbelievable tournament so far for, for Mason McTavish. I think you said it best. He is clearly just way above the weight class of everybody else in this tournament. Yeah, he's he's definitely... He is an older player in the tournament. Uh, I believe this is the second one. But you could just tell he's, he's ready for a challenge. Does he get... Uh, why hasn't he gotten Captain Canada yet? Shouldn't he be Captain Canada? I think he is Captain. Well, he is. But, I mean, shouldn't they be calling him that? Who'd they start calling Captain Canada? Who was the first one? Was that Taves? I think it was Taves, yeah. Uh, he's new Captain Canada. He's got six goals, four assists in just the first three games of this tournament. He's absolutely dominating. Well, original Captain Canada was uh, Smith. Ugh. 
cool. Ryan Smith. Yeah, I, I was going to say, uh, what <laughs> Smith? Ryan, so yeah, Smith, uh, John Smith. <laughs> Brendan? Brendan. Brendan Smith, original Captain Canada. <laughs> Mason McTavish putting on a show, but also Red Wings prospect and Michigan native Carter Mazur. People gushing over his performance so far in the tournament. Four goals, two, two assists in his first three games. He's been really good. He's been good. Uh, Raddy has also been awesome for Finland. Draft steal. Draft yeah. day steal. Him and Joachim Kemmel, five points in each of their first two games. Well, they got now they have eight points in three games. Uh, they, they played today. Playing while we were talking. Yeah. Jeez. And uh, so now they both have, so they each they have, have eight points in three games, and then uh, Kimmel has seven. So they're right there. Those guys, I mean, Atu Ratty might have been the steal of that draft. I mean, he was projected to be the second overall pick coming into the draft season and then fell off. I wanted I wanted him as a second-round pick. I mean, as, how many second-round picks are just throwaways anyways? How many second-round picks were projected in the top two? Exactly. To start the draft. To start the, like, you know, the projections. Is Connor Bedard one of the younger Canadians to play? Yeah, he's one of the youngest, I think, in the... In the whole um, tournament. In the whole he's, tournament. He's wearing a bubble. That's how you know in the World Juniors, anybody's got a full shield on. Ah. They're the youngsters. He's got five points in three games. That's pretty solid. Five points in three games. He's been good. He was way better in the start of the uh, abandoned tournament mm-hmm. uh, in, in around the holidays this year. He had a four-goal game against Austria, right? Austria? Yep. Who McTavish put up four goals against in, the, in this reiteration of the tournament. McTavish was drafted to the Ducks, right? Yep. Yeah, your favorite team. Played uh, nine they games got money. too. <laughs> they got money. Uh, Bedard, we talked about this a little bit. He might be a little rat. He's got guys in this tournament grabbing his face mask and trying to punch him in the head. And I wonder if he talks a lot out there. He's either talking or they're just pissed at how good he yeah, is. He's at, just that at, good? At so young. Well, the one I saw the kid grab his, his face mask, you should have seen the smirk on Bedard's face. So you got to think he's out there. He's chirping. Yeah, he's out there chirping and giving it to guys. And they don't like it. One, because of his age. Two, because of what you said, his skill. He's yeah. really good. And then that that little shit-eating grin on his face is like Marchand-esque. Yeah, which uh good for him. There's, uh, when you know you're that good, I mean. I mean, you're going to be the first overall pick guaranteed. We'll see if he starts licking people. <laughs> yeah. Well, with the full cage, it's going to be tough. But uh, maybe he like he just licks his licks the shield and yeah. So it's they a threat they know threat what he lick. means though. <laughs> no, they, it's going to come down to Canada, Finland, Sweden, United States. That's your most likely your gold medal game is one of those four teams. I think it's the rematch. I'm fine with the rematch. And Both teams US. are looking like they're going to come to it, and the U.S. is going to take it again. And, and I'm going to have to I'm going to have to write it in on my USA Hockey Is Do or Die T-shirt. I'm going to have to write, yeah, it, write in the a, next Canada win. Alt. Yeah, uh, the United States are. This might be the best preliminary rounds they've ever had. Usually they don't. They usually drop one they shouldn't, or or in a, or in, or at least in a game that shouldn't be a game, or or they don't blow out a team they should blow out. Right. Um, but that hasn't affected how they finish most of the time. But um, when they take on Sweden tonight, by far their toughest test within group play. That's a ten o'clock game tonight. And then we'll Canada's what, got Finland next too, right? So. so we'll see what those these two te- teams do against them. If they both win these games, 
obviously they're going to win their groups at that point. You're, I think you're, I think we're headed headed the way of hanging out, watching a gold medal game again between the U.S. and Canada. And that'd be fun. And uh, that might be the only thing that brings people to the stadium. <laughs> yeah. What is going? <laughs> there's twelve people at every game. Even Canada can't fill a crowd. There's no like restrictions in Canada anymore, right? On going to these games. No, even when Canada plays, there's just there's nobody there. Sections completely empty. Is it because Edmonton sucks? I don't think it's not. I think it's that Edmonton's weather is just so bad for so long that this is their only good month. What kind of weather they got right now? Is it like? Well, well, it's like nice. Well, it's Canada and like a part of Canada that snows like crazy. So think about being in the UP right now. In UP, this is the best month they have the entire summer. Yeah. They really only get like two months of summer, maybe. So right now it's about 70, low 70s. At night it gets into like the high, high 40s, 40s, low like 50s. Low 50s. Yeah. This is your month to do anything you want outside. The UP, I read, is going to have a frost advisory tomorrow night. What? At night, it's going to be a frost. It's going to be thirty six degrees up well, there. There's so last so well that, that that does show you. Joe's right. That does show you that like if you're in Edmonton right now, and you know in a month there's probably going to be a foot of snow on the ground, you're going to take every advantage you can to be out on the boat and yeah. at the beach and do whatever. And you don't want to be sitting in a hockey rink watching these games. Yeah, I thought that a summer World Juniors was going to be fun, but well, what times are these games being played at? Is it like well, it's some early games, time. right? They're Edmonton. They're West Coast time, so but the they're, first game usually starts around two or three. But I they're think. two here. Yeah. They're like two, six, and ten. Yeah, yeah. But if and those then, games, if those games in Canada were at like six or seven, you'd figure people would be more people would be in the seats. Oh, for sure. I figured no more one, people would be in the seats in general. Yeah. Like when when they first when they started this tournament at Christmas time. And it was limited capacity, and there was still a bunch of restrictions in Canada. There was more people in the seats than there are now. Oh, for sure. I mean, they can't even fill it when Canada's playing. And, I mean, that's like my, maybe the hardest ticket to get during a regular tournament. Right, right after the holidays? Yeah. So, finish your statement. The summer, summer tournament. I thought it was going to be awesome, but it stinks. It sucks. It's <laughs> terrible. We were talking about it three weeks ago. Like, oh, I can't wait for the World Juniors. We're going to have like exciting hockey in August. It's going to be great. Yesterday or Friday on the way home from work, I'm talking to Joe. He's like, this sucks. <laughs> not only can you not, not only is it, the hockey's good. The ho- hockey was always going to be good. These kids are talented. They're all, and it, most of them are NHL bound. There's no crowds. Yeah. So there's no excitement in the building. It's like watching COVID hockey all over again. Yeah, exactly. If you can watch it. Yeah. It's only on the That's NHL network. Too. So I've, if you don't have the NHL network, you're stuck to streams in French or yep. Spanish that you're trying to watch the game on that cut out every 15 minutes. Yeah, I tried streaming one of the U.S. games and I was like, it took me like 10 minutes to get anything and I was like, I'm done. I can't do this. You want to know what's on uh, channels like USA Network and TBS right now? Reruns of Chicago Fire <laughs> all day long. You're telling me you couldn't put one of these hockey games on that and get... Well, yeah, even you, ESPN I, can I put it on ESPN two or something. ESPN is, plus or ESPN plus eight, is like the Ocho. ESPN eight the Ocho. We'll take any of it right now. <laughs> in between dodgeball and cornhole, throw yeah. it in there. I do understand that we're probably uh, in the minority of people watching this um, in the United States. Probably, but, <laughs> but to find the games is tough. Everyone still has to work during some of the days that they're playing during the beginning of all these games yeah. but but that's even more of a reason to just put it on tv i know are you telling you're telling me more people are watching uh season two from three years ago of chicago <laughs> fire than they than people would be watching that game yeah it's uh maybe i don't know maybe that's the case it's just it's, it's it needs to be more accessible yeah 
it's rough and uh the hockey's good but it's also not like it normally is like you're usually getting these players mid-season uh peak of their abilities you know they're they're fit they've been playing hockey for at least four or five months they're also all looking to boost their draft stock typically exactly which all of them are drafted already or a lot of them or try and show that they can make a a team. Make an NHL roster. Yeah. In, also, in don't want to get hurt going into anything. So Right, like Mason McTavish, sure, he's lighting it up, but would he be going a lot harder if he knew he was going to be a duck next year, like to start the season? Yeah. yeah. Probably. I don't know. It's, it's, uh, I understand why they're having it right now. I thought that this would be better, but it's not. It sucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, hopefully. That being said, I'll watch all of the qualifyings. Uh, after the round robin, I'll watch tonight when the United States plays Sweden. Uh, Does the do the stands fill up when we get into the medal round? I think if Canada goes far, that will they'll, they'll fill. Yeah. But if Canada doesn't, it's not going to fill. Well, it's you're basically you're putting all your hope in Canadian fans because I think it's still, although it's easier to get over the border, it's still a pain in the ass to go into Canada in general. Oh yeah, and there's it's Even in before Edmonton, COVID, so that's it was already, annoying to go over. That's already a drive, but you're. That being aside, I if Canada's not in the finals, I don't think there's going to be a ton of fan appeal. It's going to be like watching a Yotes game yeah. next year. Yeah, but Yotes might have more fans. <laughs> well, all that being said, hopefully we never get – this podcast doesn't get big enough to where Chicago Fire wants to advertise because <laughs> <laughs> they're out. Oh, I've never seen that show. Well, you can every day, all day long on TBS. <laughs> yeah, that's it. All right, well, again, uh, USA takes on Sweden tonight, their toughest test in their group at 10 o'clock. I'll be tuned in, watching French on YouTube. So wait, uh, right before we finish, will the tournament be over next week or will we be going into the finals next week? I think it's going to be over. Next week it'll be over, you're saying? Uh, They play until... Yeah, so next week we'll yeah, be the done. 20th so this is Saturday's, the last, yeah. Saturday's gold medal. Yep, 20th is gold medal game. All right. So, so we'll have a champion. We'll, we'll know next by next pod. next podcast. Yeah. All right, let's get into some overtime here. I don't have a better uh, drop to play, so I'm going to play this. Oh, or this one. Not good luck for that guy if he has to spend a night in a pokey. <laughs> From the pokey to a new segment I want to introduce to the show. I don't know if you guys have someone for today or not. You don't ever read the rundown, so I'm just going to assume you don't. <laughs> Today's bucket of hate. <laughs> so the idea is it's your most hated person. I want to say in sports, if you want to bring it outside of sports and throw them into your bucket of hate, you can. But it's for this week's episode. Now, I'm not talking like, you know, two months ago, someone did something that pissed you off. It's got to be within episode to episode. Who do you just hate in sports? Kind of like last week would have been Tony Roma for me. I'd oh, toss him yeah. right into that bucket of hate and drown him. All because yeah, of the beef. Is he also this week's? He could be this week. Yeah. No. Instead, it's uh, it's the uh, the amazing personality that is Bill Belichick. Just really quickly, just to follow up, if I could, you mentioned earlier um, with the offensive play caller, you're going through a process. What do you need to see to make a final decision? Anything. I just we're going through a process. Simple as that. Okay. It's just a little bit of a an unusual situation for us that have watched you guys before and so what do you want me to do i guess we're just looking for a little clarity as to great why we're seeing what we're seeing yeah go 
through a process. Okay. Hey, Dick, just answer the question, please. Why is he such a jerk all the time? Why can't he just answer a question? Listen, that guy's there also trying to do his job. That's not an outlandish question. It's not a ridiculous question. Just answer it. I, I'm, we're just looking for a little credit. Great. Why? <laughs> Great. Great. Why? Great. Why? Like, will you just answer a question and not be a jerk? Also, it's just rude. Let him finish the question before you jump in and, and like, before you jump in to not answer the question. That guy is, he just, it's so infuriating. Just be a good person. Just answer the question. I know the NFL forces you to be out there, but does every hit answer have to be, yeah, it's just this is the way I do it. What do you want from me? You know, what do you want? Process. No, it's just, it's just the process. So we're doing. We're just, you know, that's what it is. It's uh, such an ass. It's just, it's exactly just someone that, I mean, he's going to go down as one of the best coaches ever, right? Uh, and one of the least quotable of all time. He's probably so over media. I, he just, but why, why be such a jerk? Why not just be like, like, or just be like, yeah, I don't, I, I'm sorry. I don't really have an answer for you on that one. If I, you know, even if it's a lie, if I could answer that, I would, but I'm sorry. I don't have an answer for you on that. He just interrupts people. He just makes it. Just, he's just, he's just the worst. Yeah. He's just a jerk. Uh, he's also hasn't won anything ever since Tom left. Oh, uh, I was going to say, so, uh, preseason, not looking good. I I was talking to you. No, about, they're in trouble. I was talking to you about good old, which I love. Good old pencil in the air on a laminated sheet. Guys running their offense now. Matt Patricia and Brian Hoyer, Hoyer was running the second team offense in the preseason game. Sadly, I was watching preseason football, and he ran over at one point to Matt Patricia. They had a call timeout and just hands in the air. Like, what the hell are we doing here? What are you calling? But is is Bill Belichick really going to go down as one of the greatest coaches of all time, or did he just have Tom Brady's coattails to ride? Because I think, I think he had Tom Brady's coattails to ride for a lot of it. I'm not saying he's a bad coach. I'm just saying he's not the greatest ever. Well, six six championships is on Brady's back. On Brady's back, but also, I mean. Also on Brady's back. At a certain point, you have to say that it's both of them, though. I can, I, I can give him, um, like, he because he, he's the GM, right? I can give him uh, player evaluation, and he brings in guys, and he and there's guys that turned into really good players for him that were bad in other organizations. But if Tom Brady's not there, does he have two Super Bowls? So far, or, uh, or, or does he have none? Well, so far, ever since he left, he's had none. Well, okay, but you, but with that being said, he did uh, win ten games with a rookie last year. I'll give him that by yeah. all means. However, let's let's maybe pump the brakes on who won those Super Bowls. Yeah, it's tough. Maybe it's also because I just want to bury him in my bucket of hate. Yeah. <laughs> I also don't want to. Do- also, there's no need to treat anyone like that. That's my point. That's why he goes in the bucket of hate this week. I mean, He's just. such an ass. Just be a human being. Even even Nick Saban, who hates doing press conferences, who doesn't need to. He's not even forced by the team or the NCAA or anything. Even he at least lets you finish your question and gives you some kind of an answer. Even if he doesn't say anything, Steve Eiserman never says anything when he talks. No. But at least he answers your question and he's an, and he's and he's a respectful person about it. Bill Belichick's just an ass all the time for no reason. I know. And I mean, that's just someone thinking like so highly of themselves. He acts like you're wasting his time. Those guys are also there to do, to do their job. Yeah. They have an article to write too. It was you know? an innocent question too. <laughs> it was nothing like... 
It's he's not ridiculous. like uh, saying anything about his like manhood or or anything about like his ability to coach. And he didn't question his players. He didn't yeah. question like nothing. Like it was a very legitimate question. I know. Just give me something, something to write about. Now you know what I would have wrote about. Bill Belichick's a dick. That's what yeah. I would have wrote about. And you would be fair to do that. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. Uh, either you guys got a bucket of hate, someone to throw in your bucket of hate this week, or no? Not this week, but I will think about it for next week's episode. Right, we're gonna I bring, got nothing. We're going to bring this every week. This is my new favorite thing. Throw somebody in your bucket of hate. Just douse them with hate. Oh, just douse them. I got one more if we want to, just because yeah, you it's could. really fun. Antonio Brown can also go in there. <laughs> I, I heard that quote. Let me just read you his Instagram quote. My biggest regret in my career doesn't involve calling my GM a cracker or showing up to Raiders camp late in a hot air balloon with frozen feet or throwing rocks at a UPS driver. And it definitely doesn't involve me taking off my shirt and doing a victory lap around Jet Stadium mid-game while throwing up deuces. My biggest regret is that I'll never get to see me, Antonio Brown, play a game live. Sure, I can watch the game afterwards, but I can't imagine what it was like for you all to see something like that. Like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. So he thinks he's a god. (laughs) This man. My goodness. Yeah, that is a quote. (laughs) That might be like watching the Beatles or Jesus perform at Red Rocks. (laughs) (laughs) Talk about an ass. That is a quote. Uh, Great football player. One of the best, one of the best receivers, literally the game's ever seen. But it's a shame that he, no one will, no one will touch him. You know, you can look back to a specific moment in his career where his head got scrambled, and it's Vontez Perfect lighting him up in that playoff game, yeah. taking his head off. I mean, it's you like. There's a lot of research that goes into CTE and all that, and from that point on is when shit started to go downhill for him. That's when he he was recording Mike Tom. Uh, um, uh, Tomlinson in the, in the locker room. Yep. Recording his speech, put it on Instagram. He started doing all this outlandish stuff. He threw all that furniture off a balcony and a luxury condo and almost killed people down low. He like, I mean, this guy, he just lost his mind after that. And quotes like this bucket of hate this man. You I guys mean, know he put the bucket on his head. You know he put out a rap album, right? Oh yeah. Yeah, you should hear it. It's it's not great. Something. I bet it's great. Froze his feet. Sure, I wish I was refused to play football because he couldn't wear the helmet he wanted. Yeah, well, yeah, that's why he left the Raiders. <laughs> he never played a game there. Mm-hmm. It's a, what a fall from grace. We could talk about a lot of fall falls from grace in sports. Antonio Brown from, I mean, there's there's I saw a post the other day which I didn't agree with. It was the top five receivers of all time: Jerry Rice, Randy Moss, Antonio Brown, Calvin Johnson. There was. There was someone else in there, but then Antonio Brown over Calvin Johnson, and I absolutely ridiculous to me. But he is one of the top ten receivers of all time. His stats prove it. Stats and just uh, talent, but alone. And coming out of Central Michigan, but my goodness, when you read stuff like that and you go over the the fall from grace that this guy's had is just absolutely unreal. So when that the whole uh, Tampa Bay Bucks thing happened last year, he ran off the field, but he said his ankle was messed up. Yeah, yeah, but he but he jumped and sprinted off the field, throwing <laughs> the deuces at the crowd. So was it really bad or like uh, I don't know? No, he just no, he just quit. He's just a, <laughs> yeah, he's just a nut he was job. dumb. Uh, kudos to Pittsburgh realizing that uh, that was about to happen. See ya. Yeah, 
because otherwise uh, they'd be still dealing with them. All right, so February 2017. This uh, is the the the, Brown timeline. This is the timeline. They give him another extension. Becomes the highest paid receiver in the NFL in 2017. A deal worth up to 68 million, 19 million guaranteed. That was in February of 2017. By December of 2018, (laughs) he's deactivated for week 17. He reportedly threw a ball at a teammate in practice. Uh, and his relationship with Roethlisberger was basically done by that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, February 2019, Brown meets uh, Steelers owner Art Rooney. Both agree to mutually part ways. They have a potential trade on the on the uh, books to send him to Buffalo. He nixes it. The deal falls apart. He basically just refuses to go there. So his fresh start is they trade him to the Raiders for a third and fifth round pick. You're talking about one of the best receivers to ever play in the NFL. Manages all but a third and fifth round pick. <laughs> then he shows up. Uh, just nothing like Sour Patch Kids in the middle of it. Uh, then he shows up and posts a picture of his disgusting frozen feet. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because he was in the bio chamber, yeah, right? Yeah. Uh, he then refuses to wear his helm- the helmet he wants to wear, or the NFL wants him to wear in practice. Gets bounced from Oakland. They release him. He posts a picture on uh, a video on Instagram of him running around his house cheering that he got released. <laughs> then the Patriots pick him up. $15 million deal one year. He's actually really good. Then the allegations of sexual assault come up. Then he ends his tenure with the Patriots with uh, after playing just one game. Yeah, I thought it was just one game, but he <laughs> yeah. scored a touchdown. No, right? it was really good. Yeah, yeah. He, he played great. Uh, one game. Uh, then there's uh, a, another police investigation in Florida. More legal trouble when he uh, gets battery and burglary charge. A delivery truck driver was bringing his furniture to his house, and he berated him and told me he wouldn't pay to pay him, and then tried to fight him. Okay. Uh, there was the throwing the furniture off the balcony mm-hmm. for a little bit. He gets suspended for eight games for violating the personal conduct pos- policy that had to do with the uh, the delivery truck driver. Returns with Brady, has a really good season, wins a Super Bowl. They bring him back. Then's the COVID vaccination thing. He was mm-hmm. getting other players fake COVID cards, saying they were uh, they were they had COVID, or they were uh, vaccinated from COVID. And then the meltdown takes off his shirt, runs around Gillette, or, uh, uh, runs around the stadium with his shirt off, and leaves in New York. Yeah, yeah. And then calls himself Jesus. And then says, "Man, my only regret is that I couldn't watch <laughs> me be Jesus on the football field." What a guy. What a guy. So Bucket of Hate, boys. Next week, bring your bring your uh, your nominees for Bucket of Hate. If you don't have one, you don't have one. But we're going to keep track of them. We're going to tabulate them throughout the year so that at the end of the year, I can be like, I still hate Bill Belichick. <laughs> Which you know who, is fair. You know who will never be on my Bucket of Hate? Who's that? You guys. Oh, oh that is man. wholesome. You guys bring me gummy snacks. Well, don't throw Adam into that. I did that. Joe, all right, yeah, you can go in my bucket of hate. Dude, I bought you three <laughs> bags of Skittles the first day we were on the, the bachelor party trip. Yeah, I know. Thank you. I think there's only one way to end. Well, first of all, this is for you. doesn't matter if you have one ass cheek and three toes. I will beat your ass. <laughs> so tell me I don't do anything for you again. <laughs> Love you. All right, that's it for episode five. We'll be back again next week with the winner of the World Juniors. Hopefully these two clowns have a bucket of hate. For Joe and Jack, I'm Adam, and we'll end you with this phenomenal piece of audio.